2: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, perspective. So, call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. First, got to get something off my chest. Got to apologize to you. Forgot to panic last night. Told you President Trump's move to slap a 25% tariff on imported steel. tariff from aluminum. I said it was not a reason to dump positions wholesale. If anything, it might even be a reason to do some buying on weakness. Like we saw again today, Dow losing 71 points. S&P gaining 0.51%. NASDAQ advancing advancing 1.08%. Now, given that the market was in total disarray yesterday, down almost 600 uh, Dow points at the low, and then again off almost 400 points today, I realize I should have tried to get you to freak out, scare you out of your positions like so many other commentators. My bad. I guess I didn't get the memo. Okay, look, obviously I'm being facetious, but let's talk here. What do I say? What do I preach? I keep telling you that panic is not a strategy. I got to tell some of these other people come on air when so many of the bears seem determined to make you bolt from stocks at all costs. But as I've told you over and over again, there's always a better time, even if you do want to sell, than right into the teeth of the fear and the chaos. That causes a brutal decline. However, that doesn't mean, look, it doesn't mean we're through with this narrative that the US has broken with the religious orthodoxy of free trade and we'll all pay a price for it. There are way too many well intentioned economists and politicians and business people out there who believe that protectionism is always a mistake. They don't understand that we've been on the receiving end of a trade war for ages. This is what's been what happening to us. I'm hearing crickets on our team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not some anti-globalist crusader. International trade's fabulous. I took those classes. I just think it's a big mistake to be so dogmatic about policy issues. China's not exactly a bastion of free trade, and their economy's doing great. Going into full-on trade war mode would hurt them nearly as much as it hurts us. No, maybe it would hurt them more. Yet the ideologues almost seem to want retaliation, for which just to prove their point. And I think that's a perfect place to start our game plan for next week. Because if no country, especially China, reacts too loudly to Trump's big move, I have a feeling... That there will be a lot of sellers' remorse from the people who dumped their stocks this week, especially stocks of domestic companies that are completely unaffected by the stuff. And I'll we'll more on that later. So let's mark Monday on the calendar as being very binary. If there is retaliation, we're going to get hit again. Some VIX spike, you get that. But if there's none, other, everyone else will see this pullback it was just a retest of last month's decline. And the pullback held. Frankly, as much as I care about the possibility of retaliation from our trading partners, and I should put quotes under the word, you know, went around partners and stuff. uh, I'm also going to be on resign watch. As in, will Gary Cohn, the president's senior economic advisor and a former partner at Goldman Sachs, resign from the White House, given that he likely disagrees with the president on tariffs? Look, look, look around. Okay, this is Kramerica. We only care about the political stuff insofar as it affects stock prices. And Cohn is a steady hand. He helped pass the tax reform bill that's been so positive for business. If he resigns, I fear some people will start worrying that there's too much chaos in this administration's economic team, and they'll figure it's time to do some selling. That could happen. I've known Gary for a long time. And while I don't want people to buy, sell, buy, sell, sister, daughter, sister, daughter, I recognize that him leaving would make it harder to be a raging bull. Oh, incidentally, you know, something on Monday. A company used to follow for years and years. Uh, we get results from... Really, a ground zero enterprise, Ryerson, a dealer in aluminum and steel, among other metals. You know, it's a little company, but it's a thoughtful one. I've listened to him for years. And management can tell us actually whether they think there'll be retaliation coming and what what the retaliation actually means for American industry. Tuesday, we're back in retail. Well, Target reports, and I think the new Target, the more edgy, more urban, more digitized Target is working. I see this once proud discount chain making a big comeback. I love my new Brooklyn small store format, by the way. It's killer. Sure, the stock's up huge from its November lows. I mean, maybe a little too much. But if we do get a trade-inspired sell-off on Monday, and the papers will all be negative because the religious orthodoxy guys own the press. But I'm giving you my permission to buy some Target. We just got a monster quarter from TGX this week. Took my breath away. And I bet we hear the same kind of thing from fellow discounter Ross Stores after the close on Tuesday. It is a very well-run company. On the other hand, the dollar stores have been very weak of late, which is surprising given how they've been so strong for so long, in part because they're perceived as being Amazon-proof. I think they actually are, but the market definitely disagrees with me. Maybe that changes thing. I, I, you know The judgment could change. It could change when Dollar Tree reports on Wednesday morning. Now, let's take a moment to parse the story of Dollar Tree, which happens to be my favorite. I always say you can eat it off the floor, not that you would necessarily want to eat off the floor of a Dollar Tree. But for a second, my pop loved them. He loved the readers there. We get like five, six readers at once for six bucks, you know. Anyway, this is going to come down to a free trade issue. A lot of very smart people think the Chinese, who are the source of so much of the excess steel and aluminum that triggered the need for our tariffs, simply won't take these new duties lying down. They're going to hit back. They're going to be down there giving us the business. Wait a second. I say we need to stand the thesis on its head. Look at what's in Dollar Tree. Will you go there this weekend? China fills these stores with its products. Do they really want to start a fight over dirty, polluting, heavy steel mills when it might cause them to lose all that business that comes from the Dollar Tree and hundreds of thousands of other retailers just like it? Hey, it's not such a crazy idea. This morning, the European trade authorities threatened. Hold just a second. Where's my scary button? They threatened to put tariffs on U.S. jeans, on Kentucky bourbon, on Harley Davidson motorcycles. Okay, maybe PVH and VF Corp lose a couple of pennies. That's Calvin Klein, Wrangler and Lee Jeans. Harley's already been losing share everywhere. Kentucky bourbon? I mean, really. If you were trying to design a tariff to be totally symbolic and have very little real-world impact, I think you'd go after jeans and Harley and bourbon. Hey, by the way, I had some old number 7 the other night. That stuff holds up well under close scrutiny. My point, nobody plays fair on trade, but nobody wants to start a real trade war either. And maybe by punishing some bad actors every now and then, we'll actually save some jobs in this country. Yes, if the world responds by slapping tariffs on a few iconic but relatively unimportant American brands, and I don't really like the Tennessee honey, it is way too sweet for me, clearly meant for women, I think. I don't know. I mean, jeez, just dollop sugar in it. Well, I say that's a small price to pay that you're going to have to have a tariff on Tennessee honey. After close Wednesday, Costco reports. And again, look at a Costco. They're filled with foreign goods. The people who run these overseas manufacturers will petition their governments to prevent a full-blown trade war over steel. More important, I bet Costco is going to have a strong quarter. But its stock is down 10 bucks from its highs, given that the, uh, that the terrific Home Depot is down. 30 bucks off a similar level, and we're about to get to its holiday selling season, which is planning. I say let's hope Costco gets hit even harder, gives you a better buying opportunity before it reports. I like that chain. Now, we also hear from Thor Industries, the RV maker. It's been making a killing from the rise of the luxury camping trade. It's a big part of the experiential economy, hip camp. However, I want to warn people that actually Thor could be hurt by these tariffs, so they might have a more negative story to tell than people expect. Kroger reports on Thursday, and this company's under assault from a slew of new entrants, a couple of slick German chains, and the Amazon-backed Whole Foods, which, by the way, go there this weekend. It's starting to look a lot different. This is when Whole Foods is making its move with Amazon. Last time, Kroger beat the numbers handily, and you got a huge short squeeze. I think the stocks run too much, and I would actually ring the register ahead of this quarter as much as I think that they're great people. Finally, on Friday, we had the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report, which is going to matter even more than usual. The whole February sell-off started when we got a hot payroll number, too hot. Interest rates spiked, which caused volatility to spike and led to the bizarre collapse of the averages as all those dopey traders who bet against the VIX got obliterated by the mother of all short squeezes and had to sell their stocks. Could it happen again? Well, here's the bottom line. You know, I'm actually a lot more worried about this number being too hot than I am about the reprisals from our trading partners. However, if we get a good but not red hot number, you'll wonder why the heck we sold off so hard this week. And you'll be thinking, why didn't we do some buying? Let's go to LeVon in Florida. LeVon.
1: Hey, Jim. Dedicated viewer since 2005 who's adopted... Fantastic! 2005!
2: You are what I call cadre! What's going on? That's right. And I've made mad money on your strategy.
3: So here's one you mentioned about four months ago that I want to apply to PRTN
1: Triton, the world's largest steel shipping container and leasing right. resale company. Right. Your strategy was to find best-of-breed companies that hit a 52-week high, And pull back 10 to 20% for no specific company or internal reason, then buy after you listen to a conference call and validate concerns. So with Triton pulling back on the global trade sphere, and because they beat in Q4 and guided up for 2018, right. is now the time to no, capture the no, dividend? No, i tell you, Levon,
2: here's the problem. This is when and it's, some of the real estate investment trust people are a little bit upset with my view, but it's the same thing. Uh, interest rates went too high, and a 5.95% yield is not protecting these stocks anymore. I know that from the National Limited Partnerships, from the real estate investment trusts, and some of the utilities. You're caught up in a rate vortex. It is not the intermodal business, which is actually pretty darn good. Let's go to Dave in Ohio, please. Dave!
1: Jim, thanks for your help over the years. With ah. Brown and Brown, symbol BRO, reporting a two-for-one split. We buy more, sell before the split, or Remember,
2: hold. here's what a split does. You got one pencil. Suddenly, you know what? Do we have more pencil creation? Look at this. These actually say Jim Kramer on them. Isn't it cool? Well, anyway, it's probably away from the point. But no, it's not a reason to own it. I do like the company. I think it's good. But you know what? When we think about insurance, we think of Chubb. How about we go to Phyllis in California? Please, Phyllis.
1: Hi, Jim. How are you today?
2: I am good. How about you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I have a question for you here. If the pres- if President Trump does put the tariff into effect that he's proposing, and I believe he will, mm-hmm. do you believe it will affect my Chinese stocks that I have, like Baidu and Tencent.
2: Well, I like Tencent. It doesn't trade here. Baidu's really good. Alibaba, we think it will get hit. Uh, I don't think the president's done. I think the tariffs could actually be worse than people think uh, against China if China doesn't play fair. So I'm going to say let's step away from China for a little bit. I think we don't need that pressure. I think it'll keep us up at night. I don't like, well, I don't sleep anyway, but I certainly don't want to like, get even less than I do. Let's go to Sam in the Illini. Sam! Mr. Kramer, longtime caller, even longtime viewer. Uh, long time, long time. Go ahead. And I like to send you a related Super Bowl booyah right to you. Holy cow! It's still with me in the morning, and it's with me at night. What's up? Uh, my stock in question is Sangamo Therapeutics with their new partnership with Gilead. Plus, they partner with Pfizer. Is the twenty-four, twenty-five dollars share of good entry price? I have to tell you that I think that when you have so many really high-quality companies in that industry down this much, I am not going to reach down the food chain and recommend Sangamo. I just can't do it. There's too much... There's just too many good companies that are just getting crushed in there. By the way, I do like Amgen, who's doing a lot of work on it. All right, there's always a better time to sell than into chaos. And next week, you'll forget the reason for this sell-off if we don't get any retaliation, okay? Well, Man Money tonight, Trump's tariff announcement has shaken the stock market and rattled some of America's closest trading partners. With words like trade war being thrown around, I'll tell you what impact the move could really have on the market, not what you heard. Then the average has been all over the place the past few days. I know you got questions I'm open up the phone lines to hear from you in tonight's sell-off strategy and it's just a drill I'll tell you why this market's move shouldn't leave you panicked so stay with Kramer
0: don't miss a second of mad money follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter have a question tweet Kramer hashtag mad tweets send Jim an email to MadMoney at CNBC.com or give us a call At 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
2: Everyone's freaking out and getting all emotional about trade. I say let's take a deep breath and look at some actual numbers. Let's be thoughtful. First, I play with an open hand, so here goes. When I started this show, I had the former CEO of Nucor, Dan D'Amico, on regularly. When Dan retired, we put on John Furiola. John uh, is the new CEO there. Uh, full disclosure, Dan's my friend, okay? But when I come on the air every night, I am not about friends. I'm about helping you to try to make money. I've liked Nucor, now the largest steel maker in America and the best in the world since the mid 1980s when I met Ken Iverson, the company's revolutionary founder, when I worked at Goldman Sachs. You see, Nucor was the great innovator in the industry, using scrap rather than iron and coal and a non unionized workforce to produce the cheapest steel on earth. I still like it now, which is why we own it for my travel trust, have for ages. But periodically, there is a problem. Sometimes there's a downturn. You can't own the steels in a downturn unless you have a long-term view. The numbers get missed. It happens. There have been a couple of quarters where it was new fault, new course fault, honestly. I mean, everyone has execution problems. We went to a plant in, uh, in Louisiana, and that has some problems. But there are also many, many quarters where, because the People's Republic of China wants to create jobs, they build steel mills. And they sell the stuff well below cost, and it causes our companies to have real issues, and in some cases just wipes them out. Again, plenty of other American steel companies were inefficient, but not nuclear. The simple truth is that China offers massive steel subsidies in order to put their people to work. Making a profit is at most a secondary concern to them, if it is a concern at all. And that wrecked our ability to compete. That's not the American way last I looked at it. Yet for ages, we kept our markets open because our government is run by free traders. Their approach to unfair trade practices is to turn the other cheek. That's the ethos. And look, I don't mean to single out China. South Korea is not much better. They barely buy cars from us, but flood our country with cheap automobiles. And we accept it. Why? Well, in part because we need a strong South Korea to hold the North Koreans at bay. The status quo means we get cheaper steel and cheaper cars. But American workers in these industries, well, they get gutted. The economists don't seem to care at all. But maybe they've never uh, seen this kind of thing firsthand. I know what happens when the Chinese decide to subsidize an industry like they did with Pops, with gift wrap that he sold, where they sold paper well under the cost of production and put all the U.S. mills my father worked with out of business. Dark days in the Kramer household. He ended up working with the Chinese instead. He actually loved doing business with them. Why? Well, thank heavens they respect the elderly. But my point is simple. Steel mills put a lot of people to work, which is real good if you're trying to avoid unrest or revolution, which is what the People's Republic of China is often about. The Chinese government put a lot of their own people to work producing way too much steel, which crushed the price to the point where most mills in our country, with the exception of Nucor and a handful of others, simply couldn't survive. And pretty much every time Nucor misses the numbers, they explain to me that it's because of Chinese dumping. What are you supposed to do when your trading partners? Behave this way. Just let it happen. Now, look, I have studied this these different quarters, nine ways to Sunday. And I can tell you that when Newcore misses that quarter, it's almost invariably because of the Chinese. They're telling the truth. I used to hear the same thing from Klaus Kleinfeld, the former CEO of Alcoa. They'd miss a quarter. I'd troop up to my regular quarterly download to Klaus, and he would painstakingly walk me through how the Chinese dumped aluminum that was well below their own cost of production simply as a kind of make-work program. The pollution from these mills finally got the communist government to scale back a tad after mil- a million people a year started dying of respiratory illness. But Klaus would tell me about the state-run mills that they couldn't or wouldn't close and how they subsidized aluminum and ended up crushing our jobs. It's empirical, people. Mind you, I didn't come at this like an economist. Even though if you ask Alexa who I am, she says I'm a noted economist. Who knew? I came in as an angry investor or a furious reporter, asking these execs, how in heck could they bag our viewers and our readers? How could they bag you? They spent literally hour upon hour walking me through it, and they did convince me. They convinced me that the Chinese were operating the same way that they did toward Pop's gift-wrapped industry. However, there is a big difference with steel and aluminum. You can't fight wars with gift wrap. There's no national security issue with Chinese holiday paper. But with steel, Nucor Fariola put it pretty simply when he last came on the show.
1: We all understand the need for a strong national defense. There's no way you can have a strong national defense, strong national security without, without having a robust and sustainable steel industry.
2: You know what? I, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. Okay, but aren't all tariffs evil like the ones smoot and wholly jammed on to exasperate the exacerbate the Great Depression in our country? Honestly no. Lots of times they work, and our trading partners change their tune. In the end, countries like China want our markets badly. And if that means wiping out some of their own steel jobs to retain access, believe me, they're going to do it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if lots of these countries start building factories here to take the heat off their own countries. How about the cost to the American consumer? We always hear about that. Okay, these tariffs translate into a little more than 100 bucks per car, which is nothing uh, less than it's one-tenth the price of an in-car entertainment system from Harman. It's less than some of the semiconductor content in each car, like an NVIDIA chip. Yes, it could add some pennies here and some pennies there. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross eloquently explained today how a can of Coke might cost three, uh, three-tenths of a cent more. I heard a lot of grousing from captains of industry today about how much these tariffs would cost them. You know what I wanted to throw up? These guys just got the biggest corporate darn tax breaks in the history of the republic, and now they're whining that the raw costs might go up a bit? I am speechless. Now, granted, some industries are going to be hurt more than others. There are two million aluminum fasteners in a jetliner. That's going to cost Boeing some money, unless it passes on those costs to its customers, which it absolutely can. Will China retaliate against us by boycotting Boeing? Sure, theoretically, but the supply of new planes is so limited compared to the demand that they would be cutting off their own noses to spite their faces. It's true that there are some markets at stake. For the longest time, we've had a policy in this country of sacrificing American jobs so we could sell as many diapers and turbans into China as possible. Look, I get it. I like it when Proctor or Kimberly or the ones saying at GE make their numbers. I do. I like that you own their stocks, especially the latter, by the way, which is in suboptimal mode. But I know it was a trade off, for heaven's sake. I had no illusions about that. Whether you love Donald Trump or hate him, trade is the issue that won him the election, meaning the voters decided it was better to ding Caterpillar's earnings this time around than to keep having mass layoffs in steel. The steel workforce has already been cut in half since 1990, from 700,000 to 350,000. But if this was just about jobs, maybe it would be worth it to turn the other cheek. The problem comes when now we need to build some new aircraft carriers. What are we going to do? Buy the steel to make them from one of the countries they're supposed to detect? Her? I mean, I, th- I think that's crazy, frankly. Or as Course John puts it...
1: I wouldn't want my son inside of a tank on a battlefield that was made with anything but U.S. steel.
2: That makes a lot of sense to me. Bottom line, look, could Trump's decision to fight back on trade cause the stock market to go down? Sure. So could a lot of other things, frankly. Will we still make money? Newsflash. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to find it just for you. Much more mad money ahead. I'm opening up the phone lines to hear from you, the voices of Kramerica. Let me help you navigate these kinds of unknowns. Then, worried about the latest action in the market, please don't panic. I'm going to give you a plan of attack. And with so many unknowns in this market, how's Gold fairy? I'm going to talk with the CEO of Rangold, see how it could retain its luster. So, stick with Kramer. I've said this time and again, but a reminder never hurts here. No one ever made a dime panicking. In fact, panic never makes any sense. Take today, for example. If you panicked earlier today when I was on Squawk on the street and sold when the Dow dropped 400 points. Well, how do you feel? Yeah. Sure, we don't like seeing a sell-off like this, but the truth is it, it... could be a great time to do some buying, as it turned out to be this morning. I don't want any of you home gamers to miss out on any opportunities. So we're opening up the phone lines again on these wild days. Hear your questions. Listen to your concerns. Uh, through the ups and downs, you know we're always going to get through this together because we're Kramericans. Let's go to work. Jr. Massachusetts. Jr. Hi, Kramer. Uh, Booyah from uh, rainy Boston, Massachusetts. We got the whole coast doing this stuff. I don't even know if I can get home to see my wife, but that's all right. I know. I, it didn't come out right. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say a belated congrats to your Eagles on beating our uh, ever so humbled Patriots. And thanks for everything we do for our y- us young out there. Thank you. I'm going to get mic'd up next time I go to one of those games. People want to know what I think. Oh, yeah, they'd love it. Philly, Philly, go ahead. <laughs> uh, my question for you is in regards to Walmart. Uh, with the growing concerns over their e-commerce segment and concerns over weak guidance, do you think there's good long-term play? You know what, Jr. I've got to tell you, I've spent a lot of time going over that Walmart quarter, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the dramatic decline in e-commerce at all. Target reports this week. I think Brian Cornell is doing some very pull-away things. I don't want you to, to bottom fish yet in Walmart. I don't like the way it's going. Um, how about uh, I? I also do love young investors. Let me ask you, how old are you? I'm 24. See, I mean, why do people say that young people don't invest and it's just for all? I'm actually seeing more younger people invest than I have ever seen in all the years I've in business. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Rhonda in Kansas, please. Rhonda.
3: Hi, Jim. Jim, I very much appreciated you weighing in on the discussion about possible tariffs on steel and aluminum. But, Jim, can you help the American the average American, the taxpayer, can you help America understand how this relates to them? And maybe something about balance of payments.
2: Sure. OK, well, look, let, let's understand that uh, the late and I will say great Aubrey McLennan taught me a lot about oil country, too. And he explained to me that he could not make any money in the Utica, which is in Ohio, if he used American steel. So he always bought in Mexican pipe. Now, fast forward to what's happened in the last few years. John Furriola has bought, uh, has created a factory that produces pipe that is just as, you know, I'd say better quality and inexpensive. And I think the answer is the balance of payments problem would be solved by doing business with Nucor because they make the best and they're American. Let's go to Marsha New York, please. Marcia. Marcia, go ahead. You're up.
1: Hi, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. I'm a longtime holder of McDonald's, and it's been very good to me. Due to the sudden drop this week of about 9%, I was wondering if I should sell some.
2: No! 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 Steve Easterbrook is doing a great job. The stock did get ahead of itself. Now all the bears are piling on. It's almost at 3%. I think you put it away betting that Easterbrook is going to continue to deliver. The sell-off is really sharp. I know everybody loves Wendy's. I do like Darden. Sat down with management. But I will not count in selling Steve Easterbrook. No! Hey, even even Lisa, my wife, like. Easterbrook Book when we pulled up with him at the, at, uh, at the Super Bowl. I think the guy, this is a tailspin that is inspired by fear. We don't trade on fear. We trade on numbers. Buy some now, buy some after it goes above 3% if that does happen. Rob in Colorado, Rob. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I am good. How about you?
1: Not bad. I'm in Colorado. I don't want to take up your time. No, uh, you're I not. I'm doing you. this show.
2: It's perfect time to talk. What's up? Okay, excellent. The Cronus Group. They need mm. history on the 27th of February. First marijuana company ever to be on the NASDAQ. Yeah, the you know strange. what? Uh, you know, let me tell you something, Rob. I mean, I, I, I have to like, uh, but Chapel Trust owns Constellation Brands, STC. Rob Sands has a stake uh, but, you know, uh, in uh, Canadian uh, marijuana. But you know what? It's really just a sightseer uh, fun thing to do right now, and I don't want to advise anyone do it. Uh, uh, I do think that the, the cannabis market is going to be gigantic, but I don't want to get ahead of my skis here. All right, remember, no one ever made a dime panicking, as we know in Craymerica. Just like the many times before, we're going to get through the volatility together. Hey, this morning, come on. I was like, will you give me a break already? Now, much more mad money ahead. Take a deep breath. Uh, I'll reveal why the latest moves in this market are a drill. Just a drill. Then as worries over rising inflation continue to persist, I'm going to sit down with the CEO of the best miner in the world, and that's called Rangold. See if an investment in this metal makes sense. And all your calls, rapid fire. Tonight's edition of Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer.
0: Monday, kickoff the trading day was Squawk on the Street. Live from Post Nine at the NYSE. Let's see if you can guess, because he was on Jeopardy.
2: <laughs> Bitcoin! I was going to say Bitcoin. Well, I gave but it that's not shit. Really where's that really There the was a timer. gave it, do it in the form of a question. You no, know, I mean, it <laughs> was very hard hitting that button.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
2: Okay, time for sell-off 101, the drill. The drill that tells you how to handle a downturn and how to profit from it even, as long as, as that downturn isn't caused by genuine systemic risk, meaning the kind of thing that can wreck the entire economy, like the financial crisis a decade ago. I like to approach things clinically because unlike what Tolstoy said in that seminal stock treatise, Anna Karenina, all unhappy bear runs are surprisingly alike in their own ways, the similarities. First, a sell off occurs after we've had a big run with the precipitating event that we hadn't thought of ahead of time. They come from left field for many, but not everyone. I've been saying that a principal risk in this market was that investors didn't believe the president was going to slap heavy tariffs on aluminum and steel. Boom, he did it. And the unaware panicked. That's when two kicks in. All stocks will go down because they're connected by the futures markets. But not all stocks should go down. Your job is to look for the stocks of companies that just reported great numbers, like Salesforce or the data mining company Splunk. See that today? Which delivered a blowout last night. And buy them into tariff-related weakness. What an opportunity this morning when we pointed it out. Three, don't seek out the stocks that are in the blast zone immediately when there are so many other good ones being laid low by the story. So as much as you'd like Boeing or Caterpillar to buy it's far better to go with a retailer or a bank or a tech, which are far less affected by potential trade wars, but still get their stocks lower. Now, this is what uh, I have a theorem. It's called, what do tariffs have to do with the price to earnings multiple Bristol-Myers? Yep, that's a theorem I propounded since I started my hedge fund in 87. Four, avoid what wasn't working before the proximate cause of the sell-off, because it will most likely be crummy after too. The autos, which actually are going to take an earnings hit from these tariffs, they come to mind, but so do the consumer packaged goods stocks, and oh boy, oh boy, the oils. Five, think of the great secular trends with stocks that rarely go down, and then you can buy those. Big Data Supreme, you haven't been able to get into any of those stocks at a discount. Suddenly you have one, take it. Same with Defense. Will their steel costs go up a little more? Sure, but geez, I mean, come on, let's not be greedy. These companies have gotten not one but two gifts from the government, lower taxes and higher government contracts. The cloud's been in fuego, okay? If you can get into Adobe or the aforementioned Salesforce, or how about ServiceNow Workday, which I told you was good, or even Amazon and a discount. you got to take it. That's what's working. Finally, be aware that there are forces at work that might have caused other sell-offs that could still be there, lurking. When we get really overbought, as we did at the beginning of February, and we got hit with a real hot employment number, the market plummeted off of a blip of a move higher in interest rates. That cascaded into a spike in the VIX, which crushed the market, as so many foolish hedge funds had borrowed heavily to bet against volatility, needed to sell stock to meet the margin calls. When you have a stupid trade with that scenario, it usually isn't one and done. Be aware that since the stock market's rebounded from its lows, that kind of pullback could happen all over again when we get the next employment number on Friday, unless, <laughs> unless we aren't all that overbought and bonds are tame. If that's the case, the sell-off's probably almost over, and you missed a darn good opportunity to do some buying. Don't worry. There'll always be another one. Net Money's back in It is time! And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, daddy? Time for the light round question. I'm gonna start with Alice in New Hampshire. Alice! Yes, hi Jim. I'd like to buy Snapchat. I want to know what you think about it. Look, the growth was really fabulous, but the redesign's freaking everybody else, so we're gonna to have to default and say, you know what? Not right here, not right now. Walter in Florida, Walter! Hey Jim, nice to hear from you. Same. I'm in Delray Beach. Listen, um, I'd love you to do a whole segment on this company, but for now, can you give me your take on Raymond James Financial? Raymond James Financial is doing incredibly well. I really like it. I do mean, this with Mark Chacon, my friend from Philly. I think it's good stock. Let's go to Tanner in Colorado. Tanner.
0: Hey Jim, what do you think about Vail Resorts?
2: I don't know why the stock's been such a dog of late. I think it's just a fantastic long-term situation, but you know what? Right now, it's out of favor. Maybe best time to, t- to take uh, take a position. Let's go to Calvin in Florida, please, Calvin.
1: Hey, Jim, this is Kale from
2: beautiful sunny Florida, 77 nice. degrees. How are you tonight? Ah, I don't know I can get home tonight. It's, it's two hours. What am I going to do with the car? What's happening? <laughs> SNH, Senior
1: Housing. You I get got a 10% percent it yield. What
2: that says to me is a definitive red flag. We don't pay up and reach for yield in Kramerica. It's too dangerous. We're going to Vincent, California. Vincent. Hi, Kramer. How are you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Doing well. You can hit that House of Pain button for me. I'm on a lot in Opco. How do you feel about it? I ran a cell report on it today. I've got to tell you, there are just, you know, Dr. Frost has got to come on. This has gotten to be, it's way too ugly to opine on, frankly. Let's go to Georgia, Nevada. George.
1: Hey, Jim. Sorry that you've been gone for two weeks. You were sorely missed.
2: Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I, I miss being, being here, honestly. But that's, you know, that's not the way they wanted to play it. Go ahead.
1: I know. Um, Jim, um, one um, particular part of this potential tariff, which I think he'll drop after he's heard more information, is the agricultural business and the vegetables and the meats that the farmers of America do that supply right. at the um, at the supermarket, and how much that will affect every okay. America's back pocket and the symbol talking about is john deere the symbol is, deere is a great
2: american company i think they will do just fine but i do think that this is not the level to buy it it's too close to the blast zone of tariffs i agree with you let that one come down although i did like the quarter very much let's go to jason in massachusetts jason hey man i'm getting uh shell shark out there what do you think of the afl no, when we buy an insurance, we buy Chubb, and if we're not going to buy the stock of Chubb, then we buy Travelers. It's really a binary situation. Sandy in Florida, Sandy. Hi, I'm looking at rounding out my technology position in my IRA, and I'd like to know what you think of STX CK Technology. I think that's more of a trading vehicle. If you're going to do that for your IRA, I, I am more concerned. I would rather see an Intel. I know the yield's not that big, but I like that balance sheet better. Than I like. For Seagate. It's a pretty simple situation. John in California, John. Yeah, Jim. I'd like to know about uh, Chesapeake energy. Yeah, everybody What's going else on. would too. here's what we know. We know to stay away don't from don't CHK. Fight. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. <laughs>
2: It's. It just broke up again. Woo! (laughs) I love high spirit. Let's go to
1: work! I'm back! Jimbo! Yo! You changed your dog's name to Nvidia. We changed my husband's name from Tom to Kramer. Fair enough.
2: Kids don't contemplate that at home. It's still dog food. Don't miss tonight's premiere. I'm Jim Kramer. I call this the problem of great expectations, a term coined by Dickens, one of the few novelists who rivals the redoubtable Stephen King. Even though the company's got accelerating revenue growth, or I as we call it around here, a stock shortage. I like that. Stock markets suddenly become a heck of a lot more turbulent, afraid. People are freaking all about global commerce. Cryptocurrencies, by the way, have been going through a real rough patch lately. So could this be the moment when gold comes back into favor? I've always said that you want some exposure to the precious metal in times of inflation and economic uncertainty. It's like insurance. Now, the easiest way to get that insurance is by either owning gold directly or indirectly through an ETF like GLD. I've always been a fan of some gold miners, though, which can offer additional upside because they can grow production. But they also come with many additional risks. Take Rangold. It's a well-run company that recently ran into some serious issues. Here's a company that's been able to develop, deliver consistently low-cost, top-notch production growth by operating in regions where others may fear to go, namely a number of countries in sub-Saharan Africa that aren't exactly known for their stability. For example, Rangold has a big mining complex in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which dramatically raised taxes and royalties on the business pieces businesses that mine the country's natural resources. Maybe that's good policy for the people of Congo, but it's bad news for Rangold. Gold. They're trying to fight the law. But because of this issue, I think the stock's been held back, even as the price of gold has climbed significantly in the past few months. Is this something Rand Gold can overcome? Let's take a closer look with Mark Bristow. He's the CEO of Rand Gold Resources. Get a better sense of how this company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Bristow, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Hello, uh, Jim. How's it? Well, Mark, Listen,
2: I think this may have been your best, maybe your best year in 23 years. You got seven years in a row of record production. I think this is the best cost profile I've ever seen you had. And I'm just wondering whether maybe it's the analyst controlling a narrative which says that you are operating in places that are too unstable and it's going to hurt your future.
3: You know, Jim, we've had this conversation before. Remember, we had the challenges in Mali when there was a coup d'etat. We had the civil war in Ivory Coast. This comes with the territory and emerging markets, particularly Africa. But, you know, these are world-class assets. They can pay their rent, and they're very good for the people. And, you know, I think the challenges in DRC are part of a growing pain as sub-Saharan Africa emerges from its past. And I've got still plenty of confidence that we'll be able to continue to deliver in, in operating gold mines uh, in sub-Saharan Africa,
2: how good is the how good is the DRC? I mean, how good are those? What kind of price are we talking about to take the gold out?
3: So this is a 10 million ounce uh, deposit with plenty of upside. Uh, it's uh, we're going to be producing at about 700,000 ounces a year for the next five years, and certainly plus 600,000 ounces for 10 years at under $600 an ounce. Wow. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tier one asset in anyone's definition.
2: Okay, so how about the Senegal? I'm liking this Masawa. You're pretty long, uh, far gone now with the feasibility study. Is it as big as I think?
3: It's not that big, but okay. it's a good substitute for Tongan, which comes to its end in 2020. So, sort of bread and butter replacement. Uh, we're still hunting for that big gorilla. Um, you remember gorilla, Marilla, the gorilla? Yeah, That's sure. what we're looking for.
2: All right. Well, maybe we can find that. In the meantime, I, I know that your company's dividend policy is extraordinary, particularly for a gold company. I want you to tell people how you return capital rather than just keep buying assets
3: that don't produce anything. So, Jim, we haven't issued uh, stock for a long time. It's all about value per share in any any public company, and we've delivered on our plans. and We're able to support a dividend not by borrowing money, but by making profits. and We've paid dividends for the last eleven years. Uh, we have recommended for twenty seventeen that we pay a two dollar dividend, which is, you know, above a two percent yield and is significantly more if you look at our recent share pass after the DRC announcement. So, you know, in every in every sense, we're, we're, uh, we're a company that supports its profitability by rewarding its shareholders with dividends.
2: Well, the, you know, again, I, I ponder this. I know a couple of the analysts, and we mentioned the DRC, but is it possible that people are saying that we had this conversation before? I've really got to flesh it out. Cryptocurrencies, Mark, it's a it's a book entry. okay? gold is something physical. It's why I've always loved gold. At what point do we realize that 10, 11, 12,000 for for a book entry may not be as sustainable as owning the asset that has defined wealth for as long as we've been alive?
3: You know, look, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, the cryptocurrency is a passing show. Um, the real, you know, there's only one currency that you can't print, and that's gold. And and in this world today, we've seen, you know, I mean, you talk about DRC, Jim. There's a lot of uh, dynamics in politics globally, whether you're in Europe or yeah, in your own country or you know, in the emerging world. And and uh, and you know, with the changing balance of economic power in the world and the and the debate about currency and global ability to settle uh, debts you know gold is uh, is a is a key component in that you know back in the 90s people said it it was over gold was over but it hasn't been the case and you know it's a great business to be in if you focus on profitability you can make a lot of money and and it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a commodity and asset class that you should have in your portfolio, even if it's 5%. Well,
2: I I agree. I've always felt 10%. I've been a gold bug all my life. The one thing I I have to tell you, Mark, I was surprised. We've got global turmoil. We've got a president who's doing things that we haven't seen in a long time. I thought that gold can really spike here. Do you think that I am just too pro gold because I've seen what it can do for people over the years?
3: No, I don't think so. And, you know, I mean, if you go back from the turn of the century, gold has outclassed every asset class. So, And people don't realize this. And uh, And, you know, I think you're right. But the problem is also discipline within the gold industry itself. Right. People are still producing gold at a loss. What we need is people to focus on profitability. It'll reduce the amount of gold supply to the market. Squeeze the supply side. There's plenty of demand.
2: Well, I'm totally agreeing with you, and I want all our viewers to own some gold. It is the best hedge in the world. Mark Bristow, CEO of Rango Resources. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on Mad Monday. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) Okay, tumultuous week, but think about it. We had Salesforce on. How Fabulous was that quarter. We talked about Workday. That did a really good job. Service now. What am I saying? The cloud came right through this problem, including a trade war. We care about the fundamentals on this show, and the fundamentals make you money. I always like to say this is bull market summer. I promise i to find it just for you right here. Made money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday.